Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Libercaro, and this is my 2023 recap, episode two. Hey there, it's me, Sophia. As I promised you, I am back on another Wednesday to talk to you about some of my favorite music things from 2023. I realized, by the way, that calling this four-part series a 2023 recap is not fully correct, by the way, because this episode and the previous one recap things that I've loved from this past year, but the next two are actually looking forward to 2024. So those next two episodes will probably go by a different name, but we'll still call it a four-part series. This is still something outside of what I normally do, and it's still about music that I'm excited about. And most importantly, it's a time where I get to talk directly to you, um, which is nice to get to do. So today's episode is dedicated to my top 10 albums of 2023. There are several more albums I love from this year, by the way, but it's really hard to whittle it down. There's also still records that I want to continue to listen to and add to my list before the year is out. But these 10 were the ones that really impacted me the most, whether that be because of something I related to or felt really deeply or something I was just really excited about, their approach to music and how differently they did things, or some combination of both, or something totally different. Either way, this is my top 10, and in traditional media countdown fashion, I'm going to start at number 10, and we'll work our way up, because suspense and content, ooh. Oh, also, before I forget, just like I did with the previous episode of the 2023 recap, there is going to be an accompanying playlist that you can find on Before the Chorus podcast on Instagram or at Before the Chorus podcast on Instagram. So go check that out. And I mean, I'm going to give you samples, like I'll get, I'll pick one song from each of these 10 records, but if any of them excite you, I cannot recommend it more that you go and listen to the albums in full. You know, obviously I'm going to be super biased because this is literally my favorite records of the year, but I think that you just might like them too. So definitely go check them out after this. All right. Number 10 goes to the incredible Helena Delon with Goodbye Summerland. I had Helena on the podcast a, a while ago. Like that's, I think one of the first 10 episodes I did, um, maybe within the first 15, if not, uh, Helena was on. And she is an artist from my hometown of Montreal. 
as I've said a gajillion times on this podcast, I am heavily biased towards artists from my hometown just because I genuinely think that we have some of the best bands in the world. And Helena is no exception. This is not the the record that I interviewed her for. I interviewed her for the previous one. But Goodbye Summerland, quite frankly, just fits its name. It feels like it fits best in the fall and winter seasons as we wave goodbye to the warmer months. There's this incredibly tender, warm quality to it. It's a little bit melancholic, but not too much. It just feels like a warm hug. Like, this is the kind of music I always switch to a record much like this around this time of year. Like, as I'm driving, especially in the evenings and everything starts to feel a little more quiet and the weather's cooling down, this is the exact kind of record that I want to put on. Um, So with that, she very comfortably grabs the number 10 spot. Number nine is Ben Howard's record, Is It, from this year. I have long, as as you may realize from some of the, the artists that I've highlighted, although I do highlight people from all genres, I've always been a folk fan. Um, I was also a teenager in the 2010s, so obviously I love Ben Howard. But I've been really enjoying this more hyper-experimental folk angle that he's taken, especially when there is still this sort of warm quality to it. It's a fine line, but when artists get it right, balancing the sort of salt of the earth quality of folk music and the more like experimental quality of like prog rock, for example, it is some of the best music to me. It's some of my favorite, favorite stuff. And there's this almost like arid quality. Like I almost feel like I'm standing in the middle of a desert just staring out at endless miles of nothingness. There's That's how this record makes me feel. And it's overwhelming in the best possible way. It, it gives me a similar feeling that I got when I was listening to um, Floating Points' 2017 album Reflections, Mojave Desert. They don't necessarily sound the same, but they both, again, have that sort of vast quality. And Another thing that I love from records is when I feel completely submerged and immersed in the soundscape. Like, I feel transported to another world. And for me, it's it's almost like a religious experience. Like, I'm being transported to something different. Again, it, it, it creates this, like, overwhelm. Like, you're just this, like, tiny little spot in a vast space. And it's it amazes me that music has the potential to make you feel that way. You know, something without a visual that you're just closing your eyes and letting yourself live in it is so, so fucking special. For number eight, we have yet another icon of of our indie world, and that is Mitski. The land is inhospitable, and so are we. I think it has, I wouldn't say it's as vast as the record before it, but it has that sort of like, you should be listening to it alone in a diner um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, probably, you're probably in a David Lynch film because admittedly I think that a diner wouldn't often play Mitski just because, you know, maybe not often the demographic, but let me imagine it here. You know, like there is this sort of like lonely Americana country twang to a lot of the songs on this record, um, that suits Mitski really, really well. You know, it, it sits so nicely with her sort of like pull on your heartstrings, like, you know, like rip, like rip out your heart feeling that so much of Mitski's music has. I think that's what 
we love about Mitski a lot of the time is that she kind of gives us through her music the permission to feel like our deepest desires and you know kind of just like revel in the feeling of infatuation regardless of how healthy or unhealthy it is she kind of lets us live with that messy part of ourselves I will say this record feels more grounded overall compared to like in terms of its feeling which is really cool to see that slightly different side of her but still with just enough of that like delicious longing feeling that we love from her music so yeah Mitski incredible Number seven now is Westerman with An Inbuilt Fault, another artist that I had on the podcast this past year in this sort of similar vein to, you know, your like the Ben Howard again folk. You'll sense there is a pattern in that, you know, again, my taste does span a lot of things, but this is definitely one of my personal kind of soft spots is, again, folk leaning stuff that has a little bit of a an experimental quality. I also finally started listening to more Radiohead in the last couple of months, which I'm sure is shocking to anybody who knows me that I have not listened to a lot of Radiohead. I think I just hadn't found the right time for it, but I've been listening to In Rainbows a lot, and similar to Westerman, it has this sort of murky, weird quality to it. And quite frankly, I actually think that part of why I'm able to enjoy more Radiohead now is because of my love for Westerman. He, through his music, he's kind of taught me to sit in these, like, sit within these longer songs, sit within these more sparse experimental spaces. And I'm so grateful for that, that it's opened me up to more music, but I'm also just grateful that I get to enjoy his music. I also went to get to see him in my hometown while I was visiting Montreal, as I mentioned. And it was so much fun to get to go to a local venue. And even though he's a British artist, getting to see him there was so much fun hearing these songs live. And I ended up buying both An Inbuilt Fault and the record that precedes it. And I will tell you, music that kind of exists in this world is the best stuff to put on your record player and on a good set of speakers because it just floats through your entire house and it is such a delicious feeling. Number six now is Half Moon Run with Salt. Again, how could I not? Like, <laughs> Montreal Band, I interviewed them this year and that was, I mean, like I, I said on that episode, they were a band I grew up listening to. I think I definitely mentioned them last episode, too, because I went to see them play with my friend's flight in Paris. And this record, I think the reason that I love it so much is that it is it stands on its own, but it's also in, in some really lovely ways a return to form and nods back a lot to their first two albums, which were the records that I was listening to in my late teens and then into my early adulthood. They were records that soundtracked very formative parts of my life and were a big part of shaping my musical taste and my musical identity. So to have a record that kind of winks back at those moments, but is still, you know, exciting and fresh and new is so special. So it is such a joy to know that that is out in the world now. Number five now is Billy Martin's Drop Cherries. I am really grateful to artists who have found a way to romanticize the things that we don't romanticize very much, especially things like long-term relationships and reveling in the little moments, the things that may seem mundane or, you know, not particularly shiny or exciting. And Billy did this in such 
a gorgeous, gorgeous way on this record. You know, I just think it, I mean, obviously the record sounds absolutely stunning. I think Billy has one of the most beautiful voices in the world and is such a talented instrumentalist and such a sharp musical mind. But also from, I don't think an ethical point of view is the word that I'm looking for here, but I guess just from, I guess in terms of its theme, you know, we live in a world that teaches us that love is supposed to always be this sharp, intense, huge, crazy feeling. And it has its moments. Again, this is why I love some of Mitski's older records that, you know, give us permission to feel that. But that part of love is not forever. And I think that sometimes we as a society and we as people conflate that that lack of spark or that like disappearance of spark is meaning that we no longer love someone or it's just not the right fit. And sometimes that that's just coming from a high or it's coming from sometimes from maybe normally being drawn to people that don't love you enough. Um, I'm not saying it's always that, you know, it's this love and infatuation romance are deeply complicated. And I think, you know, no one feeling for sure means one thing. But at the same time, the fact that she was able to paint a picture of the beauty of what it looks like when you're with someone for a long time, when you're in this very secure, grounded phase of a relationship, I'm hoping it's going to help rewire some people and, you know, help us look at these things a little bit differently and maybe in a healthier way. Um, so, yeah, for that, I'm really grateful to this record. And I think that the next record, I mean, this next record in some ways goes hand in hand with it because number four is Flight's self-titled record. Um the lead singer of Flight and Billy are, are long-term partners, so a lot of the songs on their respective records are about each other. And there's similar qualities in in Flight's record that I really appreciate. You know, some of it is, again, about romanticizing long-term love, but one of my personal favorite things about it, and we talked about this in, in our interview as well, is especially coming from the male perspective in a heterosexual you know, um, relationship, it's not coming from a place of I, I, as the man have to be your savior, I'm the pillar of this, or you have to fit into my life where the, the woman is somehow made smaller. This record really paints a partner as an equal, allows both people to be flawed and imperfect and just wanting to show up for each other. I remember Will said in a quote in the episode that we're all just vulnerable people trying to look after vulnerable people. And this record paints that so gorgeously. It also does the same with, you know, friendships as well and the sort of camaraderie of like the London music scene and everyone just trying to make it, especially during the pandemic when there was no shows. Um, yeah, it's a deeply tender record. And also, I think that Flight are some of the best lyricists coming out right now. I am constantly in awe of them and I, I hope to see more and more beautiful things happen for them. All right, we are now at the top three. So number three is Young Fathers' is Heavy Heavy. Young Fathers have been one of my favorite bands to come out in the last few years for 
a while. The last record, Coco Sugar, blew my mind. It's probably one of the, the vinyls that I play the most in my house as well. They're the kind of people that, like, nobody else sounds like them. And they continue to raise the bar and create beautiful, groundbreaking things every time that they release a new album. They're the kind of people that make me excited about the future of music because they're just amazing. They're also one of the best live bands I've ever seen. It's been a long time since I've seen them. I think they played, I'm pretty sure it was All Points East in like 20, I want to say 2018. I went to see them. And one of my friends just got to go see them last night here in Los Angeles opening for Depeche Mode. I am so fucking jealous. I would have loved to have seen, well, both of them because Depeche Mode is Depeche Mode. But, oh, like, I I miss seeing them live and I have not had the chance to get to go see them live this year because it's just never lined up with where I've been at a given time. But, yeah, just there's such a, like full throttle carnal feeling to their music but that still allows like moments for profound vulnerability and tenderness like it's kind of like yes it's like our deepest carnal instincts but coming from the place of just being a flawed human it's not anyone trying to flex or be like you know or like kind of make you feel like you're being attacked or there's not like this weird braggadocio or anything to it it's just I don't know, it's just putting everything out on the floor and also giving you something to, like, bang your head to. That's number two now is Mia Folek's Roach. This was one of those records that definitely felt like staring in a mirror, um, which is why I'm so deeply grateful for it. I think I've never seen a record uh, encapsulate what it's like to be in the early part of your adulthood as a woman, as a woman with anxiety or various forms of neurodivergence so perfectly one of my favorite songs that came out last year from her which is now on this record is 2007 and I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before I remember I was telling Shea Coulee about it because we were talking about like lyrics that hit really deep for us um in our episode but there's just so much about the the parts of yourself that are you know stuck between the parts stuck between things that you need to improve on and grow with and change and the things the parts of you that are have already started to evolve that sort of inner war just wanting to be okay um there's even like moments where she allows herself to just write like like get out of my house which is just like a loud punk song that's just like fuck you and letting herself feel that emotion in its full entirety and Again, this is one of those, like, this is why I do what I do, because music makes us feel seen. And for me, getting to now interview artists and help continue to expand on those life stories and the themes that they talk about in their music that, in turn, both make them feel seen and make those who are listening to the podcast hopefully feel seen is the best feeling in the world. It is now time for record number one of the year, so get ready for my shitty drum roll on my desk. Na-na! Sorry, I don't have, like, one of those, like, keypads that you can, like, do sound effects on, so this is what you get. Anyway, my number one record is Caroline Polachek's Desire I Want to Turn Into You. 
I mean, I'm a Caroline Polachek. Caroline Polachek. I'm a Caroline Polachek super fan. There's no way around it. So when she put out this record, it's like, yeah, this this is the one. Actually, to be fair, when I first heard it, I wasn't sure, but I often find that the records that I end up liking the most in the long run are usually ones that I'm not sure about on the first listen. And that was the same for Pang, which was her last record. And so Desire, I Want to Turn Into You grew on me really, really quickly. She, I mean, she blends like everything that I love about songwriting. Like someone, she's someone who pushes the envelope and does things that should be like seen as corny, but then makes them so fucking cool. Like, you know, the, like even like her song Sunset, like not to say that Spanish guitar isn't very cool in its own right but sometimes it can be used in really cliche ways and she managed to do something really exciting with it and even through all the like outrageous coolness of her music there's a sort of heartfelt quality at the center that I think grounds it and it's why she can make anything work so beautifully because when you're someone who again has the confidence to just pull anything off but simultaneously has the like heart at the core to make us believe it then it's like the perfect package. And then, of course, I talked about this last time because her her show that I went to at the Shrine here in L.A. was one of my favorite shows of the year. But her voice is OK. Her, I can say confidently, has the best voice in music right now. Like people like Rosalia are probably in the same zone. Maybe I might even say that they're somewhat tied. But like no one can do with their voice what Caroline Polachek does with her voice. Like like I said, she makes these like siren calls that are incredible. She can do all of them live. Um, her pitch is amazing. And it just works. Like everything just works together. And yeah, I know I don't know what else to say. That that is my album of the year. Um, without question, Caroline Polachek, Desire, I Wanna Turn Into You. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, there is a playlist that you can listen to with little samples of all of these records. And if any of those samples catch your ear, please go and check out the corresponding record. You're you're not going to regret it, I promise. Next week, we are going to be pointing forward to 2024. And I'm going to be telling you about some of the artists that I'm keeping my eye on in the new year. See you then. Bye. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford.